This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Good Monday. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. Two great guests this week, two great guests next week. Not so good performance on the weekend by the Calgary Flames. They've been playing pretty well of late. But that's the sound they left the ice to at the end of the night for the final two minutes. Booing. Well-earned booing. No energy, no punch, no intensity. Not acceptable this time of year when you're hanging by a thread in terms of your playoff hopes. Uh, we have two great guests today, and uh, the first one's Cami Kepke from Global. Uh, she covers all sorts of different things, but including the Calgary Flames. I want to get her thoughts on the Dinos as well. I was at that game last night. They won their first Canada West title since 1996. I hadn't realized it was that long, but yeah, the the Golden Bears have dominated forever. It was so nice to see the Golden Bears fall. A dramatic victory by the Dinos. Like, there must have been almost 2,000 people in that barn at Father David Bauer. It was an amazing experience. Uh, we'll talk to her about that. But before we get to Tammy, or to Cammy, sorry, and then we're going to go to, uh, sorry, second half of the show, Ryan Leslie. He's in Dallas. Big line changes for the Calgary Flames we're going to get into as well. But the playoff chase has gone from a, a chase to a funeral march. Five losses in a row. They're closer to, but they're moving closer to Bedard than they are the top eight. Uh, they're seven back of Colorado. Colorado has two in hand. Winnipeg is seven ahead of the Flames. Edmonton's nine ahead. Nashville even moved ahead of the Calgary Flames on the weekend. But it's all going to be fixed now that uh, Pelche is on the top line with Lindholm and Toffoli. We're going to get into that and so much more. But first, our first guest on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline, Cami Kepke. Ke- Easy for me to say. Cami Kepke. Thank you for joining me, Cami. <laughs> hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. We're feeling a awake, alert, alive, enthusiastic. Hopefully the Flames are too. Yeah, they play tonight at Dallas. I think puck drop is 6 o'clock uh, local time here. And we'll have it here, of course, on the Fan 960. Okay, before we get into the Flames, can I just ask you about the Dinos? Because you've covered them a lot over the course of this year. And I just stumbled on it. I mean, I keep an eye on them, but I don't. I haven't been down there. Mark Howell's done a great job, was named Coach of the Year in Canada West after the game. These guys win this game. How much did it mean to those guys to finally get over that hump and win a Canada West title? It's amazing because they knew they were going to be good, but I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to take it when you still have your Saskatchewan Huskies, your Alberta Golden Bears, even the UBC Thunderbirds were looking really great this year. But Mark told me only when we were going into the final that at the start of the year, he pointed to that banner hanging at FDB that said 1996, and he's saying, this is the year, we've got to go do it. And they had a pretty so-so start, but then they go on this Canada West record 23-game win streak. They hadn't lost a game since October 14th. They get the bye the first week of playoffs, come in in semis against the Saskatchewan team that had just upset Mount Royal, and they lose game one. It could have been over so quickly, but the team really battled back, and they lost a heartbreaker on Saturday night in game two. They were down 4 nothing, managed to tie it, and then lose in overtime. But, you know, it was our overtime hero from game one, Josh Mazur, who found found the game winner last night in front of that insane crowd. And it was a play they drew up, too. Max Patterson told I him to go so. back door and be ready. And it worked. It, you know what? I'm just sitting in the stands like everyone else. I wasn't covering it. I was there with my son. And I, it sure looked like they drew that thing up, the way that he went straight to the net and the puck was directed towards the net in their zone. It was, wow, that's that's interesting to hear. What Do we have any idea how many people were in the barn last night? Because it was rammed. It was just over 1,100, which is pretty close to capacity for FDB. It's definitely getting to like a standing room only type of situation, but it was the best atmosphere I've ever seen in there for a university game. Oh, a yeah. better atmosphere than even some of the uh, the Max games, kind of at the height of the tournament when I was covering that. But and it's great for these players too because it's the most underrated level of hockey in our city and a different kind of opportunity for these players. Like you look at the captain Noah King. He comes up through the dub, and, you know, he didn't get a ton of opportunities. This year was the first time he's ever played for Team Canada, and as a defenseman, he scores and earns a gold medal at the Winter University game and caps it off with his championship, and now they're off to national. So it's unbelievable, and I do wish more people came to check it out consistently. 
especially with I, the, the price tag to go to one of those games. Ten bucks last night my son paid. I think I paid 17 But it makes my heart swell to see crowds like that. I went to the Max a bunch this year. Sorry, it'll always be the Max. Uh, it, it was. Uh, I went to the Max this year and saw that team Hungary play, and it was it was just rammed in there. And then I, I know the final was you know everywhere the North Star or the the Buffs went. You know there were huge crowds too. But it just makes me so proud of uh, that great hockey community we have when people jump on board and have that magical moment like last night. And I'm with you. I'm so glad, Cammy, you said that. I think it's the. I've said for 20 years. I think it's the best brand of hockey that is available to watch in this city. Obviously, it's not the best brand. That's the NHL. I get that. I'm talking about the best brand to watch. The speed, the size, the hitting, the intensity. These guys are all stars from the from the Western Hockey League. So it's the, it's some of the best of the best from the WHL that don't go on to, to play in the pros. I, I I love it. Tell me, is there a guy on the Dinos or maybe even? On, on the on the on the Golden Bears that has a chance at playing pro hockey and I think we can ask that question now because you know we're, we're starting to see a little bit more you know a little more guys you know getting that sniff is there anybody who's kind of stood out that way or no absolutely and it's something we're already seeing happen I'd look at a, a Bradley Schoonbart potentially a Riley Stott for sure both guys who came out of the dub uh, Josh Prokop on the other side for the Golden Bears mm-hmm. I mean, they're just fantastic players. But you look at Mount Royal, who were upset, but Riley Sawchuk was one of the last cuts at Seattle cracking camp in the summer. These guys are already, he's uh, playing for Grand Rapids now. He's already been scooped up after a pretty stellar playoff performance where he really put the team on his back. Ty Helgeson getting a shot in the AHL. We're seeing these players starting to take that next step, and we're seeing that maybe he got for guys who were a little bit of a late bloomer. Maybe they were too small when they were in the dub. They find their footing here. You look at uh, a Colson Gengenbach on the Dinos, who never played in the dub, was barely got a lot of playing time in the A, fought his way onto the eSports team, scored two goals at the Crowchild Classic in front of more than 10,000 fans, and now he's looking at potentially getting a shot down the road. Love it. Those are the stories I love. And the, uh, the e-bug was in the building last night, too. Matt Berlin, who was the... Uh... The guy who came in and played a, a a little bit for the Edmonton Oilers this year and made huge headlines. He's the backup, though, eh, for the for the Golden Bears. Yeah, we've seen a lot of Golden Bears starting to like you know get that next opportunity. But we also have to give a stick tap to the rink crew uh, for the yeah. fastest last change I have ever seen. So Calgary did not take the lead until the last three and a half minutes, and immediately after Mazer scored. Some of the Alberta fans were banging on the glass, and a, 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 it popped out. The pain popped out. And if Alberta had scored and tied it up and Calgary had even, even won in overtime and lost, just the, the delay afterwards, like that, that glass was replaced quick, but then the ice crew was taking a look at something by the Zamboni door. Yeah. It was like, man, yeah. Calgary's momentum just died there. And it was like, if you have atized this, Mark Howell is going to be on a war path and I would not blame him. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you for talking dinos. I, I, I know a lot of people don't, uh, they don't tune into this show to hear dinos stories, but I, I love it. And I was so thrilled to be there last night and we wish them all the best at the nationals. Uh, let's switch gears uh, to the Calgary flames. We're talking to Cami Kepke from global sports and uh, she's at the rink a lot with me down there every day with Ryan Leslie, with the whole crew. And I, I, I wanted to get your first thoughts on, on the booing Saturday uh, you know, I would say it, it's overdue given the season they've had, but really, I think they've played really well the previous four games, and I'm not sure booing was warranted. But on Saturday, do you agree with the fans? I agree with the fans because what have we been saying for the past couple months? The goaltending has been absolutely sinking the flames. It's like, okay, we get three of Jacob Markstrom's best games of the year, and you get one point out of it at home. Mm-hmm. It's not been enough. The offense has looked lethargic. And I do wonder in the bubble season when we saw how mightily the Flames struggled when they had really great expectations with Tanev and Markstrom joining the team, would fans have booed then? Because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of parallels we can draw between that team and this team now, even though there's been quite a change in obviously the coach halfway through the season and the roster. But I think of that season, and there was a 4-1 loss to Winnipeg. It didn't mathematically eliminate Calgary from the playoffs, but I thought, oh, no, that's it. This yeah. is 
this is the moment where this season has ended for this team. And I feel like we might've just hit that here. Yeah. I, that's interesting. That, that Winnipeg games uh, a while back uh, to me, to me, the Boston game was the, the dagger right through the, through the heart that, that you can't come back from. I, it was probably over long before that, but to, to completely dominate the best team in hockey and come away with just one point, uh, that's, that, that's just so deflating. And I give them credit for playing well the next game against the Leafs and giving them a good run too. Let me ask you this. Expectations too high? Oh, you know, is this team just not good enough? You know, Which one? Were the expectations too high or is this team just not good enough? I think it's good for teams to have expectations. You know, I made this analogy on Twitter a little while ago to mixed reaction, but I look at the Flames like, like the kind of guy you date in your early 20s. They're capable of being awesome, but more often than not, they let you down, and you kind of have to you sit down and say, all right, what are we? And they might hit you with, a, well, let's not have expectations. Let's just see where this goes. No, you can't just see where it goes because that leads to nowhere. And Flames fans have been putting up with a whole lot of going to nowhere for a very long time. Yeah, they sure have. That is very well put. That's uh, an analogy I certainly wouldn't be able to come up with as a man. <laughs> but I think it's a good one. <laughs> this this team is just, you know, it, it seems like it's alternated between bad goaltending and then lack of scoring. Yes, at the end of every season, Every single team that doesn't win the Stanley Cup. So 31 teams say, well, at the end of the day, we didn't score enough and we let in too many. Yes, I get that. What do you think's wrong, though, with Markstrom? Some people wonder if it's it all started. Statistically, it all started with the loss against Edmonton in the playoffs last year. Do you buy that that damaged him? Absolutely. And I think there was great hope at the start of the season. He did look a little bit different off the bat. And it's weird about this team because we had those expectations and then they had their greatest stretch of the season right off that they beat the reigning Stanley cup champs on opening night. They beat the Oilers in a one goal game. They beat the Vegas golden Knights in a one goal game that showed that they could dance with the big dogs. then, even when Markstrom wasn't looking his best and things just really slid from there. And I asked Daryl Sutter about it um, after the Boston game where Markstrom played what I thought was his best game of the year, aside from maybe the 2-1 loss to the Oilers on December 27th and that one nothing loss to the Canadians in extras. And there just seemed like there's just been a, a shift back in his game, like something clicked, and now he's back where he was. Like, even if a save isn't perfect, if there's a little bit of a bobble, there's a fluidity and a calmness to his game that was missing before, where he might scramble to cover something whereas now like yeah he has to get it but it looks like it's much more muscle memory driven like he's just gotten back into that goalie zone and goalies are so hard to predict but something's gone wrong but i do it seems like he's fixed it and the team just can't back him up when he is in the zone yeah yeah and and i think that the coaching staff has not given up on dan Bladar, but decided that because he's had some shaky moments of late too that they've just got to go back with the one who's, you know, got the bigger track record. And let me ask you this. How would you describe the feeling around town amongst fans? Because the first word that comes to mind for me, when talking to some of my buddies who have just said, see you later, I'm not interested in following this team. It's broken my heart all year long. Apathy is the word that, that I would use to describe most of my buddies who are diehard or were diehard fans. How would you describe the mood amongst the fan base? I mean, apathy was the word that popped into my head when you first mentioned that. A lot of disappointment. I had friends who actually came in from BC for a stag party at the game on uh, Saturday against Minnesota. They were shocked by the atmosphere. And I know that this fan base can be so loud and so passionate, and we've heard it before. But we also do hear about the Saddle Dome Library, and there has been quite a bit of that as of late. And it's been hard for the team to drum up that excitement when it doesn't always necessarily feel like the players are having fun or doing things that get the team excited uh, off the ice as well. We used to see them kind of out and about in the town, doing things in the community where fans could get a little bit closer. Kids would be able to kind of meet their hockey heroes. And as reporters, we got to sometimes do some goofier stories when 
things are going well. And when things aren't going well, you can't really do those. Yeah. And we lose another side of the team and that uh, it just eliminates another opportunity for people to connect. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Well put. We're talking to Cami Kepke from uh, Global Sports here in Calgary. I, I want to get into the lines because the, the Flames shook up the lines uh, this morning in Dallas, and they're going to go with a quite a, a, a considerably different look tonight. And I want to I want to get your thoughts on them. I'll throw them at you. But before that, the fan uh, feedback line nine sixty nine sixty. I'm curious how fans would describe their mood. You know, I use the word apathy. I think you said frustrating, disappointing. You know, there are so many different ways to describe how fans are feeling right now. But I'm curious as to what they're feeling. So uh, send us your thoughts at uh, nine sixty nine sixty. Before we get into the lines, no, let's get into the lines because th- this is the story of the day. Jacob Pelche is now on the top line, and I don't think there's anybody in the city who's got a problem with that given, you know, the way he's played. And he's also a fan favorite, and he's also the most exciting thing to happen to this team this year. Pelche, Lindholm, and Toffoli are on the top line. Richie, Caudry, and Huberto are on the second line. So that's not Brett Richie, obviously. It's Nick Richie, who's had... In, we'll say consistency issues throughout his career since being drafted in 10th overall, 2014. He's on the left side, so Huberto shifts over to the right side on that second line. The third line is the standalone, Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman. Dubé has been bumped to the fourth line. So Pelche has taken Dubé's spot on the top line. Dubé is going to center the bottom line with Lewis and Lucic. Before I give my thoughts on this, I would love yours, Cammy. Well, you mentioned Pelche, and right off the bat, I love the kid. I covered him when he was a Moncton Wildcat, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, just a kid. And even then, there was an exuberance to his game that he's never really lost, and he can have a nasty edge. He's been a breath of fresh air for this team. And even when he's not in the, the center of scrums on a game day, you can usually see him chattering away, talking to just somebody, anybody in the room. And he's happy to be there. He's making the most of the opportunity and you can see he brings an excitement to the guys he's playing with. Michael Backlund, it's funny, has had a, one of his greatest years ever. And you still see like a new level of energy to him when he even celebrates with Pelche. That's been great to see. Uh, one thing that really sticks mm-hmm. out to me, obviously, is Dubé being bumped down to the fourth line. I do think Dylan Dubé in particular is a player that Daryl Sutter likes to send very open messages to. You'll remember when he first came back, it was Dubé and Valimaki who would get scratched, get shuffled around to obviously uh, a position where you wouldn't expect them to be, and he wanted it to send a message. He would say straight up, he needs to learn something about consistency, he needs to learn something about work ethic, and Dubé has managed to respond to that by having some really fantastic games. So clearly there's something in what he's doing that Daryl's not liking now. Dubé's got his message, and now it's on to him to adjust and earn his way back up but I do think he's someone who responds well to messages like this. Missing from the lineup is Walker Dewar. And I know that he's a fan favorite in this city. And, and, and I think it it is a shame. And I think some people will be outraged. I know people will be outraged because Lucic is still in the lineup and, and, you know, everyone that's a, a age old refrain in this city this year that Lucic shouldn't be in the lineup or, you know, whatever, but, Lucic is in the lineup, and Walker Dewar is out. And this general manager said that he made the trade because he wanted to give more playing time to Walker Dewar and the, by, by getting rid of Brett Ritchie. You bring in Nick Ritchie, and now Dewar's out of the lineup. Some people will read into this that this is all part of the interesting relationship between the coach and general manager. I think that would be easy to do. I, I would submit that this has a little more to do with they just want to see if Nick Ritchie can add some offensive spark to this team and Dewar will be back in the lineup very soon. What do you think about that? I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Like you think about when there is a shakeup, whether it's a new player, new coach, it's the first couple games where you typically see that best effort because everyone else has a little bit more zhuzh in that moment. Sometimes it's just like three or so games, but you know what? If Nick Ritchie provides a bump tonight and Calgary can go on a three-game heater and get some help on the out-of-town scoreboard, all of a sudden they're one point out of that final wild card spot. And, hey, I mean, three games is their best winning streak of the season, and they've only done it twice, so no better time to start. Go back a second. Everybody has a little bit more what? Zhuzh. <laughs> 
pizzazz. Help me with, I, I know what you're getting at, but what, what is the definition of zhuzh? Help me with this. I love it. Je ne sais quoi. The it factor. Okay. A little All more right. pep in the step. We're going for a little theater of the imagination, Eric. You got the okay, you see you got the good. feeling. You didn't know, but you know what it's all about. I knew I knew what you were getting at. I just didn't know what the origins of the word was. And now I now that I, I see you're going for a bilingual show, I think that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I love the bilingual for sure. <laughs> that that was fun. Uh, a couple more minutes left here with uh, Cami Kepke, Global Sports and. Okay, so the, the the debate, of course, amongst fans is going to be about the lines, and I get that, and I think it's it's valid. We'd kind of gotten away from that, you know. We were posting the lines every morning for about the first thirty games, and there was an outcry pretty much every time because no one's going to be happy with with all of it. But I I I think that it felt like the last twenty games, everything was kind of set in stone. But because it's not working, I have no problem with him changing his approach. So we'll, we'll see how that uh, plays out tonight in Dallas against a team that's notoriously tough to score uh, against. Okay. A couple of things from the fan feedback line uh, empty. That's uh, Austin and Airdrie says that's one word to describe his feeling as a fan this year. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. It's an absolute myth that Calgary fan base would not tolerate a total rebuild. So instead it's been decades of mediocrity. This is on management and ownership. And that's a familiar refrain. Uh, you must hear that a lot, Cammy, when you when you talk to people. It's funny because I was talking about this with Peter Labardius last night, and I think that the level of uh, emptiness and apathy that has developed in the fan base over, as the, that fan just said, like decades of mediocrity, has given management a bit of a pass. Ownership, I think, is uh, rather the word I'm looking for. If this was a market like Vancouver, do you not think Murray Edwards and company would be lambasted much like the Aqualines are? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Oh, I think there's plenty of criticism being levied at, uh, at Murray and the ownership group for sure. And, 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 and I mentioned at the, off the top of the show, they're, they're at a real crossroads this summer. That some significant decisions have to be made in terms of the direction of this organization. And uh, I'm sure we're going to spend the next two months debating those, Cammy, because uh everybody's got strong opinions on on what they should do and what they will do and i I think what they should do and what they will do i'm not sure anyone has much faith in that they uh they marry up Uh, i I don't know if you feel like you know they'll they'll make the right call but a lot of people think it's time to tear this thing down i I don't think we're there yet to start having that conversation do you i don't think this is a teardown honestly with the roller coaster that the flames are i think even if not much does change this off season just the way this team tends to swing i'm sure they'll be fine next year mm-hmm. like some time to simmer in the off season i'm sure huberto is going to come back better next year i'm sure Kadri will too even though we know these guys probably have two three more years at their peak and then things will start to decline we know we're paying for prime on those contracts it's just a given when you're getting that kind of term. But I think even if they hold pack, see what's going on with Justin Wolf. I don't think you need to bring him in this year and risk damaging anything, even though he's a very uh, confident and uh, mentally focused young man. I think this is still a group that has a lot of potential, even though the puzzle pieces haven't quite fit yet. Uh, you know, that's interesting. I, I've always... I've said that the Dustin Wolf, the people who want Dustin Wolf in right now, I've, I've thought that that's one of the worst takes out there this year. But I, but I, I would like to put a caveat on that. If this team, if or when this team is mathematically eliminated, I'll be, I'll be diplomatic. Uh, then, then, then I think Dustin Wolf needs to come up here for a handful of games and just get a taste. It's not as a reward but also just as a bit of a, a sample size, but they can, they can see how he sizes up against bigger, stronger shooters. You know, I, I'm curious to see like everybody else is, but while you're in the in the midst of, you know, what is theoretically still a race, you can't be messing with that. But I, do you agree with pulling them up at some point if this team is mathematically eliminated? Yes, but it would need to be a good chunk of games. And I think the team would need to be pretty clear with him that, you know, it's a bit of a no-pressure situation. This isn't defining his future at all. We know that Dustin Wolf has been exceptional at every single level, but we have to remember he's human too. His first three pro games were really rough for him, and it looked out of character from what we usually see. 
It was right after he won a gold medal in the tandem with Spencer Knight at World Juniors in the, the bubble World Juniors. He came down and mm-hmm. played three games with the Stockton Heat before going back down to the WHL. Didn't win any of them. Goals against average looks incredibly undustable flight. And he had to go back down to the WHL and find his game again. So we need to remember that while Dustin Wolf is an incredible goalie, things happen when you first go to the next level. He obviously has found his footing in the AHL, but we can't spend Berchi this guy if, you know, things are a bit inconsistent to start. And he's going to have to have a good chunk of games to find his feet in the NHL. There's a painful pull. The Sven Berchi. Yes, we don't want that at all. And, and goalies, you know, they're a little more fragile. I'm not saying Dustin Wolf is fragile, but I think you have to be more careful with goalies than any, anybody else for sure. So uh, a couple more words from fans. Fatigued and deflated. Deflated. Uh, I'm just reading from the fan feedback line. Consistently inconsistent season. Uh, put a fork in the season. We're done from Daniel in Huntington Hills. Uh, as a fan, I feel like this team has, has the key to unlock the door. And instead of using it, they're trying to break down the door with their face. That That's an interesting analogy. Uh, that I hadn't heard before, uh, infuriating, disappointing, uh, defeated, disgusted. And and here's another one from someone who says, you know, Dewar may have got his bell rung on Saturday. And I, I actually don't think that that's completely impossible that, you know, he, he took a couple big hits on Saturday uh, on one of them there. I, I couldn't believe that none of the flames decided to go after Matt Dunba after Dewar was hit uh, right around the knees, but uh, that was just me. Uh, anyway, a write off, uh, no one's taking my season ticket, says another guy. Uh, yeah, I can echo that one. I'm a season ticket holder, and it is hard to get rid of your tickets these days. Um, lackluster. Anyway, uh, we won't spiral down here. It, obviously, people are frustrated. Just uh, sum it up. One person said here, cheated. Uh, listen, we weren't cheated by your thoughts, your takes. Thank you so much, Cami, for joining me. Uh, would love to have you back on again very, very soon to talk sports. And because uh, one of the things I always wanted to ask you, and, and I'll save it for the next time that we chat is, you know, what do you enjoy covering the most? Because when I was a columnist with the Calgary Sun for over 20 years, I got to cover anything I wanted. And I had my sports and my athletes that I love dealing with. And I had my sports and my athletes that I didn't like dealing with as much. So ponder that question and we'll get to that when we have you on in, in the next uh, three or four weeks or so. I already have the answer in my head and I know it's going to shock you. <laughs> okay, good, good. Cause I have a, I have some interesting thoughts on that too. All right. Cami Kepke. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you down at the dome, uh, I guess Wednesday. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. There, there she is. Cami Kepke. Uh, she was brought to us by, of course, the, uh, Atlas pizza guest hotline. And, uh, Funny about Atlas Pizza, first gig ever I had covering uh, Monday Night Football there. Like, I'm talking 27 years ago. Loved it. It's still some of the best pizza in the entire city, if not the best. Like, it's right up there, top five in the city. Um, Anyway, it's a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back with Ryan Leslie. He, too, is going to offer up his thoughts on what he heard from the coach this morning in Dallas on the line changes, and uh, we'll get into so much more than that. You're listening to The Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. It's, uh, the Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com. 18 plus, please play responsibly. All right, welcome back. Thanks to Cammy Kepke for joining us in the first half of the show. Big line shuffles in Dallas this morning at the morning skate. I'm not on the trip this time. It's the only trip I'll be missing from now to the end of the season. Uh, Someone who is on the trip, as always, your host of uh, Calgary Flames TV uh, broadcast on Sportsnet, Ryan Leslie. Ryan joins us on the Atlas Pizza Sports Hotline. How are you, my friend? Franchise, nice to be with you. How warm is it there, my man? Oh, I didn't want to bring it up. I'm glad you did. It's like 27 or so. It's you amazing. are lying. <laughs> Why would I lie about such a thing? It feels wonderful. I'm basking in the glow of a little bit of sun through the window in a hotel room talking to you. So it doesn't get much more depressing when there's beautiful weather out there. 
Yeah, sorry about that. I appreciate your time, my man. Did you uh, get out to Happiest Hour last night or the Ice House? No, I did. I did. Uh, for those um, not familiar with the, the Katy Trail here, it's kind of like the pathways along the river in Calgary. I really think there's an opportunity to do what Dallas is doing. They've got those pathways, and then they've got this Katy Ice House, the Katy Trail Ice House, which is, you know, picnic oh. tables, lights, uh, music, heaters, fires. Uh, it's yeah. just such a great atmosphere, as you know, Eric, and I hope anybody who comes down to Dallas checks out. It's just such a great, chill little vibe and you sit back and people go running by and there's dogs that are also out there and it's just really cool and i always thought wouldn't that be an awesome uh, you know idea to completely bring on board to calgary along the river i just think that we're we gotta do more along that river maybe that's a show for another yeah. day but it'd be yeah. neat to pick up the katie ice house and put it right in calgary people would love it I agree, and, and the, one of my favorite things about the Ice House, and I think you described it really well, it's got a little bit of everything. It's this crazy mm-hmm. vibe that is unlike any other kind of bar I've ever been to, but the uh, the joggers going by, there's like almost like a keg. You know, you pull the handle on it, and, and fresh cold water comes out, not beer, and, and, and the, the joggers stop and, and help themselves as they're going by and look at all the people drinking mm-hmm. their beer, so nice little touch okay oh. let's get to the the issue at hand the, the real issue the, the line changes this morning i i wanted to get your thoughts we have we haven't heard from the coach yet today what uh what was hit what were his general thoughts in terms of why he did what he did should i, I let me reset for people again who are just tuning in pelche's on the top line with lindholm and tofoley uh nick Ritchie's going to debut with Kadri and huberdo on the on the second line the third line the, the manjapani backland coleman lines still to, to together Dubé demoted to the fourth line with Lucic and Lewis and Walker Dewar out of the lineup I guess I'll first start by asking what stands out to you and then I want to know what the coach said about it well people are not happy about it but they're the armchair quarterbacks and I understand Mm -hmm. everybody has an opinion and a thought and that's great but they are not happy about it um yeah I think the coach is just looking to try and find some energy I mean, maybe that's the simplest way. I'm sure there's some messaging uh, being sent with some of these moves uh, internally to his players, but he's got to try something. He feels this is the way to work. I know everybody will weigh in and say, well, what about this? And why wouldn't he sit him or bring this guy in or what have yeah. you or Rizicka, you name it. But, you know, he's he's gone this route today to, for tonight. Um, I'm curious to see if Nick Ritchie kind of – I was chatting with him this morning about – the desperation level that he has felt since he's come on. Obviously, it's a team that he comes to that is fighting for a, any type of playoff life, and he is trying to match that desperation while trying to strike the balance and not doing too much and fit in. And, you know, first game jitters, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the thing stands out, obviously, with Dylan uh, down on that fourth line. That can't sit well. He was all business when I saw him leave the rink today, which is understandable. You know he's going to use that as a – as a you know, real focus, and, and he's probably going to play with a little bite tonight, and I don't blame him. Um, and he's got uh, he's surrounded by a couple of veterans there. But really, what stood out too is that Peltier, who, and I talked to him about this in the room this morning, just how it started with the infamous, you know, what number is he? And he said, look, that that was more for I think for you guys. He he told me right after that game, and I think it's been out there for a while since then that. You know, just keep it going, liked what you're doing. And uh, and he's really earning trust of this guy, of this head coach. And so young Jacob Pelche, who, you know, for his part says, look, I'm just trying to win hockey games. I'm not trying to do too much. I'm not trying to, you know, say I'm enjoying the ride. I'm just trying to help this team win hockey games. His energy is infectious. We've all talked about it. We've all seen it. And he is just trying to ride this thing. So, you know, he's had some success with Huberto. What a nice little uh, nugget for him to, you know, a little bit of extra lease for him to go up and play with uh, Lindholm and Toffoli. And, you know, I just think as a young guy, it's not easy to impress uh, Daryl Sutter. And he's done so with either his play and his attitude and his his approach. So hopefully he makes the most of it. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's lots you can dig into. But him on the top line, Richie making his debut – and Dylan Dubé, not where he's been, uh, despite having a really good season. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. D stays the same, Markstrom goes. So um, who's I think Jacob Markstrom, we could agree, has been pretty good 
had a good chat with, uh, well, you know what Daryl also said? He just hasn't seen the same energy since the Boston game. So he's trying to find that, mm-hmm. that uh, spark and that desperation. So, and I don't think anyone would really argue with that. It hasn't been the same since Boston. And you can understand maybe, you know, after that game and not once again getting the result, that maybe there's going to be a little bit of, oh boy, Toronto wasn't quite the same. And we all know about Minnesota. That was just lifeless. So, Tonight, I'm very pleased to tell you, we've got Mike Commodore coming on the first intermission and Marty Turco in the second. So lots of stories, lots of uh, different uh, approaches to this, and we'll kind of pick their brain on what it's like to, uh, to be in these types of situations right now. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. We're talking to Ryan Leslie. He's down in Dallas. The Flames play tonight at 6 o'clock, local time here in Calgary. Puck drop here on Fan 960, of course. I, you know I think that mixing up the lines, we'd kind of gotten away from that. You know, we were tweeting out the lines mm-hmm. the first, what, 50 games, it seemed like, or 40 yeah, games. I never then, do, but today but, you had to. Yeah, today it's the big story. And the last 20 games, though, it's been quiet. And I, I remember laughing, going, God, okay, good, we can stop tweeting out the lines. Well, boom. I love that he's doing it because they're just not getting the spark. They need, they need to do something, but there's always, there's never, it's never going to be perfect. I don't agree with Dubé being on a fourth line. I don't yeah. agree with Nick Ritchie even making the lineup. I definitely don't agree with Walker Dewar not being in the lineup at all, especially after the general manager said that we move Brett Ritchie out to make more room and get more playing time for Walker Dewar. I'll ask you this. There's a theory out there. Someone just floated it out that maybe he got his bell rung Saturday or that he just is a little banged up from Saturday. Do you read anything into that? Or yeah, you, you know, I don't, I will never speculate on uh, any types of medical conditions, um, but he's here, he's there. Uh, and, you know, as far as the Nick Ritchie side of it, um, Daryl just feels he's a player who can't sit. He's a type of player who has to get in there in order to be effective and needs to play some minutes and can't sit for too long. You know, it's a high draft pick. He wants to see if he can get a little something out of him, even if it is short term. Comes out and plays like the way Daryl thinks he can. Okay, whether or not it lasts more than a few games, we'll see. Um, but he wants to try and get him in right away and see what he's got and who knows maybe tap into something but yeah i, I don't know about you know i yeah walker doer is an interesting one I, I don't know anything about the health side of it but uh but certainly uh it's a player you can move in and out but yeah i, I think that they've got something there and they felt confident not just short term it's one game down the road they feel you know they could have moved brett Ritchie because of what walker's doing so maybe it's uh not tonight but Maybe we see him back in sooner rather than later. So we'll see. I I would think so. I, I would think so. I mean, he's done nothing wrong, and the coach loves him. Yeah. Everybody loves him, and he's he yeah. plays that great role. And but uh, you got to move somebody out of the lineup, and, and especially when you got a new guy you want to see in there. So yeah, nobody, not everyone's going to be happy. But let me ask you this: We're talking to Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet. Uh, the feeling that this whole thing is unraveling. What what do you say to someone who says to you that this whole thing is just completely unraveled or is in the process of completely unraveling? Well, the the great thing is is that you can kind of point to no, it's not a great thing. That's maybe not the right word, but you can look at it, point to it as to why me, you, the fan, um, coaches, players, everybody can look at it and go, okay, well, we haven't had the goaltending. We probably could have scored more. Our power play is there. Hey, this is a healthy team, you know, for the most part. Um, yeah. You look at teams that are under them, they're either beat up or going through a rebuild. So it's a team that you can just kind of point and go, okay, well, this production wasn't there. So there's no big surprise. Everybody's got an opinion, but I would, you know, say to you that everybody is probably able to, you know, get an understanding as to why it hasn't gone that way. But it, the big mystery is, you know, why isn't the power play working? Why isn't the goaltending going? Why isn't um, it working by now with some of these bigger names? So there's the mystery. But you can identify. You just don't know why it's happening. And I think that's where the frustration sneaks in. And, and hey, it's felt all the way up. I had a great chat with Don Maloney today who was on this trip. And, you know, they're just – always evaluating, always figuring out what uh, comes next. And, you know, obviously nobody is happy. Um, There is some frustration um, from top to bottom here. And I don't know. I just think it, these years happen sometimes. And for Flames fans, they're just going to say to that, it happens too often. 
to their team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder now, does this team, you know, go on a bit of a run winning wise and, you know, and, and sort of hover in and around that rip your heart out middle ground even more instead yeah, of, that's well you know, put. going into the ditch and, you know, they, and maybe getting a higher draft pick or whatever. Again, everybody's got an opinion on that, but wouldn't surprise me if Mark was playing pretty good the last couple of games. Maybe you get some new life injected, new faces. I don't know. This this team has played pretty good hockey on a lot of good nights and still not gotten the result. And I know viewers and listeners are, are really feeling it. So too is the team, but I give the, that those guys a lot of credit in that they have continued to get themselves up off the mat for the most part this year and stay in those one goal games, just unable to win them. So we'll see how long this thing lasts with what 19 games. I think it is left. Yeah. It's been an interesting year to say the least. Well, for sure. You know, we we asked I asked people what their thoughts were. One word to describe this season, and we were flooded with you know frustration and uh, you know how would you describe the fan experience this year? And 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 people had a lot to say, and they're they're frustrated. I get it. And I, there there's some interesting words in there. Some I can say on the radio. Some I can't. But I will say this: I do give these players credit for for their effort. You know. They got booed on Saturday, and they probably deserved it, especially given the frustration in the city that's been building. But prior to that game, booing these guys would not have been appropriate. Uh, I think that game, it was appropriate. They were listless. They were the first to say it afterwards. It was a horrifically boring game. They sucked the life right out of everybody Saturday night at the Dome. Everybody came to have a great time, and they gave them nothing. Uh, But I I think this team deserves a ton of credit. Their effort level is not questioned. 99% 99% of the time, I would say that. And I think the coach does a good job getting them amped up and ready for the game. For all the criticisms of Daryl Sutter, and I've got many too, uh, I will say that preparedness is, is right up there at the top of the list. He's good at it. They're good at responding to it. I just, the question I'm going to ask is this. Are, and, and well, okay, debate that if you don't agree with me, but... I don't know if I could debate that because, you know, in talking to players, they tell you, you know, Daryl Sutter's changed my whole approach to being prepared which is really good except for a lot of times you know there's those early goals and, and i do put a lot of that responsibility on players for sure but you know i just and and i think it's too complicated eric to point one way or the other and say this is uh his fault uh because he didn't have him a player these players weren't prepared or whatever i think it's a combination i think if there's there's plenty of this to go around and it's on the players. It's on the coach. There's early goals being given up. And then that sucks the life and change the dynamic out of all your preparation. Mm-hmm. And then either you're battling back and you're, maybe you're down two and you're battling back and tying it. And then you're losing that way. Or maybe you're up to, and you let them back in it. And so your preparation to me is, is such a fascinating dynamic, a hugely important piece and component that I think there's plenty of, uh, praise to be handed out for that and plenty of blame to be handed out that I just don't know if it's on one person either the player or the coach what about the notion that they're just not good enough like that is a serious debate that we can have on whether or not this team is just not good enough I I, the reason they are where they are right now can be summed up with one word goaltending okay but but aside from that even if they got average goaltending is is this team good enough because I know the overwhelming feeling in the season this this city is this team is definitely good enough. Like this team is mm-hmm. big time yeah. underachieving, but maybe yeah. they're just not good enough. What do you think about that theory? Well, okay. You've, you've got Nazem Kadri, who's, you know, played a lot of hockey comes in after the high of winning. Um, we know he's good. We know he's a factor. I think maybe they're just, maybe they're not good enough this year, but this is a good room. You look at Jonathan Huberto, who knows he's underperforming. Um, you know, guys like Andrew Mangiapane aren't having what they've had in the past. But then there's Dylan Dubé, who's going out and playing really well. Peltier, I didn't see this coming. I, I didn't see it coming. No. Um, now, is he lighting the world on fire offensively? No, but he's fitting in, and he's he's doing what he has to do, and you wonder what kind of step he's going to take. The goaltending, it, you know, Dan Vladar was playing well and giving you a chance while Markstrom was finding his game. It didn't really happen. Um, but we know Jacob Markstrom is a good goaltender. Look at last year and the shutouts yeah. and the performances. Now, I know in the playoffs, 
he wasn't the same Jacob Markstrom. He's not the same Jacob Markstrom right now. Um, but are they not good enough? I, I just wonder if it's one of those, like, look at Dallas. Like, Dallas is a really good team right now. Now, their overtime record isn't what they want. But other than that, their stars have been shining bright. Jake Ottinger's deadly. You know, they were beatable last year. There's teams who thought the Dallas Stars are dead and buried, you know, in the last couple of years. And they've got some tough contracts and some, you know, older legs. And they suddenly got good. I mean, when you're saying goodbye to John Klingberg, you know, and you've got Haskin and, oh, it's just so many. And then you're adding depth pieces like Max Domi. Like, it shows you what a difference a year can make. And I wonder if Calgary is just looking at one of these years where we just weren't good enough this year. We didn't get that save. We didn't get that extra goal. We didn't get that power play goal. We lost all those one goal games. I get it. Flames fans are sick and tired of the narrative being, we're just not getting it done. We can look at why every year, but they're just not getting it done. They're tired of it. I really believe this GM went out the summer of Brad made things happen. I really believe there's a lot of talent. There's some winners in that room. It's a pretty cohesive group. I just look at this year as maybe another year where it just didn't get done for a number of reasons. That isn't, you know, maybe answering the question, but I really think that's what it is. Yeah. And I, yeah, I get why people are pissed. I get it. It's tough. And it's, it's hard to, you know, float in middle ground territory, as you and I have talked about on this show and certainly in the rinks. But middle ground is tough. You're not getting high draft picks. You're not, you know, they're committed to every year, like almost every team trying to win this thing. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's still 19 games for this group to maybe try and string things together. I, I, I'd be curious to know what Flames fans who are listening are are wanting at this point. Are they wanting to go on a run? Or are they realistically saying, I kind of hope, you know, they plummet and get a higher draft pick in a really good draft? I don't know, but we're still in that middle ground, aren't we, Eric, where they could still do this. So roll with it. Or does the realist say, okay, enough, guys? Well, I I think fans, for the most part, have said, okay, this is over. I mean, the numbers are ridiculous. This is a mountain Mm -hmm. that this team has proven they can't climb. But I, I think the discussion as to, you know, what do they do next? How good they can be next year? That That's still premature. I don't think we need to do the autopsy just yet. I think no, right now no, you, no. we pick apart <clears throat> the season, the, the, the line changes, all these sort of things. There are a lot of people that, of course, want them to move towards Bedard, closer to Bedard than a top eight. And that's clearly what the team has been doing over the last five games. No question about it. There's a lot of people in this city who are sick of 25, 30 years of middle ground, and they want a, this thing burned to the ground and rebuild it. I I don't blame them for being sick of it. Uh, many of them. You know, players are sick of it. Ownership's sick of it. But they're the reason yeah. so that this what, team's been this what way. What changes? What's different? That, to me, is, you know, that's the curious thing about what I think could be the most. We're not doing the autopsy today, but no. I really do believe this could be maybe even more of a fascinating offseason than last year. And that's hard to believe. Oh, they're at a major crossroads. And you could just easily look at this and say, okay, well, it's basically the same team that is going to start next year that they have this year. Surely guys are going to bounce back. Just like last year was an aberration and everybody had a career year. What, 12 guys had a career year. This year we've got probably 12 guys who are having one of the worst years of their career. I think the only bright spot has been Dubé and Pelche. Uh, you know, I, I missed a few guys. Toffoli's had a good year. Uh, Vladar's yeah, had a good year. year. Yeah. yeah, Vladar's been good. But so, but but for the most part, obviously, everybody's down. It, I could easily see that this team could turn it around next year and be, uh, yeah. you know, a really good team again. But that's not the way people are thinking right now because they just lost five in a row and it looks like they're going to miss the playoffs again. There are a whole lot of people scratching their head and want major decisions made. And and I think well, they're going to have to be made. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah Eric. And, and, you know, when Daryl took over, and again, I, there is plenty of blame and plenty of praise to go around for everybody. But just in this tenure of of where we're sitting here, you know, 500 team, they don't make it, push to the brink against these very Dallas Stars, uh, seven games, and you lose to your biggest rival. And now this year you're not going. And 
you know, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. We're yeah. told to look at it a lot of different ways. If you look at it this way, but if you look at it, it's just not enough wins for Flames fans. So stop slicing and dicing. Stop, you know, everybody kind of telling us how to, to look at it. Flames fans know one thing. They're sick of not winning. Mm-hmm. And something's got to change. I, and, you know, everybody's got an opinion about either the assistant coaches or the GM or something, not having contracts and one guy having a contract. I don't know where this thing goes. I just no. know that if I was a Flames fan, I'd be furious. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure anything that happens in the next 19 games will change anyone's mind, but, but, but it's still a quarter of the season. And not that I think that they can get back into this playoff race, but I, I just don't know, you know, if they are mathematically eliminated in the next couple of weeks, then do you, do, do you start calling up Dustin Wolf? Do you start calling up a bunch of the youngsters? Do you bring, do you revisit Matthew Phillips? There's so many things that I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're going to deal with those as right. they come. So anyway, we thank what you for you said earlier, Eric, this is a good team, and it's the GM has said it. The players, have said it. it's a good team who hasn't figured out to win, how to win. I think that's the quote of the year. Yeah, and I, and I I really do think that we could have this conversation at this time next year, and we could you know now you're going to have turnover, you're going to have whatever, but the core there's some pieces here. Are they going to figure it out? Are they going to figure out how to win? Because there's some winners in there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you hope if you're a Flames fan that this year, depending on how it all goes, was just a one-off in terms of it's a good team that underperformed. You know, maybe time will tell that it's a good team that uh, can show you the opposite uh, next time around. But running out of time, desperation at an all-new high with a good team that could very well surprise and maybe even go on a run. And it's one way or the other. You know, you've either got to go on a run and get in or no. don't even bother winning. But that, these players only the... know one thing, and that's – how to floor it, and uh, I don't believe there's any quit on the coach. I just know no, that I don't, either. you know, and the, and you can see that in most games, night in, night out. So yeah, exactly. Um, okay. We'll we got to run plays out. I just, I, it's just really tough for Flames fans it, to digest. It has been a frustrating season. That's the the word that you you probably hear more than anybody else. And uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I. Uh, Thank you for your time, my friend. Enjoy the nice warm weather in Dallas. And yeah. I will uh, I will talk to you, well, I'll see you on Wednesday. But enjoy these next two games, and we'll see where they go. You got it. Thanks for having me. All right. There he is, Ryan Leslie, host of uh, your Flames broadcast on uh, Sportsnet tonight, 6 o'clock game in Dallas. Make sure you tune it in. Thanks for tuning in to the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Next week, Brandon Sutter and Rich Sutter. A couple of Sutter brothers, or not brothers, one's an uncle. <laughs> We're going to talk to those guys on the Eric Francis Show Monday at noon every week. We do this for an hour. Stay tuned for Logan Gordon and his good buddy Lou. Thanks for listening to the Eric Francis Show.